Welcome to the Farm Talks podcast, an audio edition of Farm Talk newspaper, your four-state ag news source. Farm Talk News has proudly been serving the four-state area with quality ag content since 1974. Listen in for 100% agriculture, 100% of the time. Tune in today with your host. Welcome back to Episode 6 of the Farm Talks podcast. I'm your host, Emily Zaronis, Associate Editor of Farm Talk News. If you're new to our channel, make sure to click our subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss our next episode. March is an exciting month for Farm Talk News with the Youth and Ag Special Issue releasing on Wednesday, March 8th, and the Horse Special Issue on Wednesday, March 22nd. Be on the lookout for Farm Talk's 40 Under 40 edition on April 19th. If you know of a young farmer, rancher, or rural community member making a difference in ag in the four-state area, nominate them online at farmtalknews.com to be featured in this upcoming special issue, highlighting the contributions young people have made in rural communities. Farm Talk's podcast prides itself on bringing you content from a different segment of ag each month to talk about the challenges and strategies that our listeners care about. Stay tuned to this episode as we hear from our local ag educators, Keith and Jerry Guerin, teach vocational agriculture at Labette County High School in Altamont and Field Kindley High School in Coffeyville. Both have found education as a way to pay it forward to the next generation of agriculturalists. Thanks for joining me on today's episode, Jerry. So to get me started, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your career as an ag teacher. Okay, well, thanks for having me. Um, I've been teaching at Coffeyville High School now for three years, and my husband, Keith, has been teaching at Labette County. And Keith, how long have you been there? Six years now, four years as the ag teacher, and then two years I taught for Coffeyville Community College at Labette County High School as a, uh, a welding teacher. And um, something we've talked about, we're both ag teachers now, obviously, and both married, which gives us a good insight to talk about the career since we understand what each other goes through. Something, though, that both of us decided to get into ag education is really because of our ag teachers and the influence that they had on our lives and kind of the impact that they made on us. So really that was the driving factor to becoming ag teachers and then also just, you know, being a part of the community and getting involved. Well, very cool. You talk about how you had those great influences in your high school years. Can you talk about some of those specific inspirations and and how it came that you and your husband met? That's a great question. So I remember sitting back and I went to Council Grove High School and Council Grove is a very rural area in the Flint Hills of Kansas, just south of Manhattan. So my ag teacher, he came my sophomore year and just completely changed everything. He was such a good teacher. We had a not very active chapter um, before him, but I just remember him coming and kind of being a light for all of us. And he got us involved in a ton of activities. And that's really what started this fire within me that made me really enjoy being an FFA and ag and I got um, really close friends through the ag program, and it's just been a lifelong experience since then. And what about you, Keith? I have a kind of an interesting story. I actually didn't go to, to K-State and pursue ag ed. I was an ag econ major, and, and, and really it ties into how we met, too. My ag teachers play into that, and they always like to, to tell the story. But I grew up 
right here in Labette County, and so where I teach at now is is home to me. And really, I had some some excellent ag teachers that really shaped the the way I went to college and and why I came back. I had uh, one teacher in, in high school that retired when I was a junior, and uh, he's a local farmer, and he had a big big impact on me. Uh, there was actually the shop teacher had retired. The year before I started high school and my freshman year, he came in and subbed some, and he was a huge inspiration. And, and really, I, I realized how important those guys were in the community and how important they were in my life. And we're a three ag teacher program at Labette County. And so actually, I had the, the, the privilege of teaching with all three of my ag teachers in my first two years of, of teaching. And, and now I actually teach with two of my, my uh, ag teachers when I was in high school. And, and, and it's really kind of a funny story how we met to uh, how big of an influence they have on Jerry and I is I, I saw Jerry at a FFA state FFA convention, and I was sitting right between two of my ag teachers, and uh, they knew that I was going to go to Allen County to school, and Jerry walked across the the stage, and it uh, came up on the screen that she was going to go to Allen County, and two of my ag teachers I teach with now, they looked at me and they said, you know, you'd be crazy if uh, if you didn't, uh, you know, pursue that. And so they always like to tell that story. But really, um, they had a huge impact on my high school career. They really inspired me. Pretty shy kid in high school. And they really uh, taught me to step out of my comfort zone and uh, pursue some things that, that really I would have never, you know, pursued if it wasn't for ag. And, and really, if it wasn't for the the two ag teachers I teach with now and and the one that retired that I took his place and and the other two ag teachers that had retired uh, while I was in high school, uh, I wouldn't even thought about uh, becoming an ag teacher. So they, they made a tremendous impact in my life. Yeah, and to go further into that, we both went to Allen County. I went there uh, to Livestock Judge, and Keith did too for a little bit. But that was due to FFA and Ag as well. And so we both met there, and then we actually both went to K-State together pursuing degrees in Ag. So it's always been a huge influence in our lives. And that's very cool uh, for you to tell that story. And we're really happy to have you actually so close here to our home office in Parsons, being in Labette County. So that's really neat to hear. You really definitely had that impact from your teachers. And so how do you pay that forward to the youth now? How has that classroom experience changed from now, from when you started teaching? The the biggest thing when I started teaching was there was more uh, maybe kids involved in production ag, and even uh, there's less than when I was in high school. But one of the greatest things that, that the ag teachers ever gave me when I was in high school was opportunities. Uh, you know, we had we were lucky to have a really nice shop there at Labette County, and we still do. And, and so the, the shop teachers, they always inspired us to, to dream big and, and build things. And one of the greatest things about my ag teachers when I was in high school is they all had either their own farm or uh, really close ties to their own farm. And so they gave us opportunities to go out and see production ag every day. And, and that's one thing I really strive for right now is being only four miles from the school. I, I really like to get the students out and, and see our own farm and, and build connections with local uh, businesses and farmers. That way those kids 
uh, really get to see, you know, the local stakeholders. And, and so that that's one way I try to really, you know, pay it back is give uh, my current students some of those opportunities that, that my ag teachers gave me when I was in high school. And I think, too, like looking at the short term of just how I know I have changed as a teacher through the past few years. Immediately, you think as an ag teacher, the kids that take your classes are going to be kids that come from a similar ag background in a farming story. But anymore, that's not really the case. And as I have grown as an ag teacher, uh, like Keith mentioned, it's more of the opportunities like our ag program provides uh, what we look for, premier leadership, the kids' personal growth, and then looking long-term into the students' career success. And those are the things that we provide as ag teachers, even to kids that have never set foot on a farm. That's kind of how things have changed, but we're still giving those opportunities to kids. And I think one of the coolest things about uh, being an ag teacher is you get to build uh, special bonds with your students that, that probably nobody else in a high school setting can. Uh, you know, when, when you're introducing them to, to some of your own, you know, community members and people that you really think highly of, uh, those students really grab onto that and, and you get to build a, a, a bond. And so, like Jerry said, you know, some of these, these students that have no real exposure to ag, all of a sudden, you know, you can build a, a really trusted relationship with them and and really build ag knowledge that really they wouldn't just set out and, and try to find on their own. So that relationship that an ag teacher gets to build is kind of unique too. And those relationships, you really talked about branching out past what would traditionally be considered an ag kid, right? One that came from a production operation and we're reaching out to those different audiences and talking about agriculture. And so we want to continue to build on those connections. And I think that that's something that you guys really uh, emphasize on as ag teachers yourselves. But for us in the community, people who are ag businesses, people who are in production ag, how can we help empower you to empower the youth? What is our role in that system? You know, the thing about Southeast Kansas, I will say, is there has always been huge support from the ag community um, in Montgomery and Labette. And then I've been in several of the counties in the Southeast area. I think the greatest thing that we have is the support from our ag um, community members. Ways that we see them help in in different avenues is... They allow us to come to their farms. We've had different ag speakers come and talk to our students. And then also um, different activities that we do in the community. Like our, we just hosted a chili feed fundraiser that was open to the community members. And we saw a lot of our good ag supporters come through and just make their faces known. And it's kind of networking really with the kids as well, because several of our kids have got jobs from those individuals. And it's great to make that connection from our business leaders to our students. Yeah, that's one of the biggest deals It is actually the students seeing the local business members and the local farmers, uh, because it's really surprising to me how, how fast the 
the students catch on remembering people, you know, they'll they'll come to school and say, oh, I saw so-and-so uh, at, at Walmart, and, and they remembered me from that ag trip we took to your equipment dealership. And, and like Jerry, you know, I'm just going to echo kind of some things she said, but we have some really, really great businesses around here that that make it a point to be visible in the schools. Uh, you know, there, there are some names that come up all the time that you see always sponsoring, you know, fair premiums or giving kids jobs. And like Jerry said, just that networking and, and those businesses actually giving those kids uh, a chance, whether it's an internship or, you know, a, a paid job after school, just making those connections and being willing to, you know, get into the ag programs, get into the schools, uh, is a huge deal. And Keith, you mentioned earlier on the production ag side, having that opportunity for kids to come visit the production ag side, learn a little bit about sustainability, those sorts of avenues. Is that something that generally falls upon the ag teacher, or are we looking more to um, find those connections with those local farmers to get the kids involved in the production ag side? It's a, it's a little bit of, of both. I feel like in my certain position, I, I grew up here, and so I, I know several of the local farmers, as well as the other two ag teachers I teach with. They are, they're from Labette County, you know, so they grew up around here. And so our job at Labette County might be a little bit easier than other ag teachers just because we have those naturally you know, built relationships. Uh, just for instance, here last fall, there was a local farmer that they daughter in class, and, and she came to school one day and said, hey, we're putting drainage tiles in our fields, and I have my CDL, and so I can drive a bus. And so one of the, the other ag teachers got a hold of, of the young lady's dad, and, and he said, yeah, sure, come on out. And, and so her, her dad and grandpa stood out there for two, three hours and talked to us as they were putting drainage tile in, the, the other company was putting it in. And so I would say it's probably, in my circumstance, it's probably a little bit of half and half. Uh, there's just, you know, there's some what I consider cool things throughout the year that I, I don't want the kids to miss out on. And I know the opportunities there. So we load up on a bus and, and go out. Just a couple years ago, we were liming some of our fields and it was just uh, you know, kind of convenient. And so we got on the bus and came out here. But a lot of times we still have a lot of, of students uh, in our program that their family is still involved. And so they'll come to school and say, hey, next week sometime we're going to be weaning kids. Can we go out there and watch, you know, dad and grandpa process them? And, and so I would say it's a pretty good balance between the, the ag teacher and, and the community members, the other production people in our And to the reverse of that, Keith is the lucky one in this situation because our farm is so close to his school, whereas I travel to my job. Mine really relies on our local producers. I will say I've been uh, very grateful to have individuals reach out to me. A guy in Montgomery County's got bulls for sale. So he's like, if you want, just bring kids out. We've had a hog producer offer to bring kids out. Now, sometimes the limiting factor then is what the school will allow in terms of taking kids out for extended periods throughout the school day. But the good thing is we do have people offering to get kids out and about. And I think that's the value, too, of seeing production ag in our community. And those grateful, we are so grateful for our community members who do assist. Excellent. 
And so bringing it back into the classroom, as we look on to the next generation, what are you seeing in terms of ag involvement for these high school students? Are we still seeing a high volume of students that are wanting to pursue careers off the farm? What is that looking like going forward? Well, I would say, of course, Keith and I may may have different kinds of students that we see from day to day. But the Coffeyville school system is more of an urban type school system compared to Labette County. A lot of the students that I see through the day are not looking at returning to the farm, returning to production ag. Now, several of them, though, do want to return to the community. And so we may have different outlets of ag-related jobs that they will be involved in, such as welding, manufacturing, different kinds of jobs like that. We do see kids that want to come back and be involved in that regard. At Labette County, we have a fair amount that that will be returning uh, back to the farm, but it's much lower percent than it was even when I was in high school. But we still have a a lot of multi-generational farms where there are students that plan on going back to the, the farm. But kind of like Jerry said, I've got a lot of students that I know it's their desire to come back and maybe open a business, even if they're not a a production ag kid at the moment. You know, I have several welding kids that their dream kind of is to to come back and maybe open manufacturing businesses or welding shops in in Labette County. And and I even know that there is a, a, a few students that would like to open retail shops, whether it be fertilizer or seed companies. Uh, things like that. And a lot of that is due to their exposure, uh, either in an internship or they work for a seed dealer or a custom applicator. But we we have a fair amount at Labette County of uh, what I would call production ag kids that, that will probably return to the farm. Absolutely. And so we had talked a little bit about production ag, but you you really transitioned that into your teaching skills outside of production ag. People are coming back and they're wanting to be involved in their local communities in welding and other technical jobs. So as I understand it, that is a part of a program that you do in career technical readiness. Can you talk a little bit about that program and its benefits long term? Yeah, so ag is considered a part of career and technical education, CTE, and we're really starting to see a shift in mindset uh, really at the legislative and national levels in terms of the value of those programs to students. And I believe there's going to be a requirement coming up for all Kansas education to receive a CTE credit for graduation, required for graduation. I think we're starting to see a shift in mindset that not all jobs require a four-year degree and we need good quality workers. So agriculture is considered one of those career and technical education courses that provides value to a student where they can leave our programs with a certain amount of skill set and knowledge and be able to apply those skills and knowledge into a future job and hopefully bring that back into the community. That is one thing in in Labette County that has really been addressed uh, lately, and it has been addressed very well by the local uh, businesses, is a, a lack of career tech readiness 
students once they leave it. And so we have a lot of internships at Labette County that have been set up over the last four or five years. And really, our administration at Labette County is really, you know, responsible for that. They do an excellent job of, of reaching out to the local businesses and, and saying, you know, what do you need? And so we, we've set up a lot of partnerships with local manufacturing companies, whether it be welding, metal-based ones, or, or wood. But like Jerry said, the state is really recognized that to keep some of these rural communities and even the urban communities growing and, and prospering that some of these uh, career tech CTE type classes need to be uh, taught at schools and, and luckily at Levette County we're very lucky in the fact that that was kind of the base for Levette County for a long time it, it was very well known for the the CTE classes um, across the board, and, and we have a local hospital that many there at Parsons that, that a lot of our graduates from Labette County pursue their nursing degree and, and end up at the local hospital. So it makes a huge difference having those classes at a high school level where students can leave and go get a, a technical degree or you know enter into a certificate type program and have a job within you know six months or a year or two years. So it, it makes a, a, a big impact on the local community when we have a strong uh, CTE program. That's wonderful news on the state level. Very excited to hear that and the involvement of you through that whole program in and outside of agriculture. And I know that when I was a high schooler, which I would have graduated back in 2016, but really at, at that time, the hot button topic was really on how to feed 9 billion people by 2050. That was something we talked in and out of the school day every day. Is that a topic that is still being discussed? What are some of those issues that youth are caring about today? Really, it, it's still being addressed some, but since the pandemic, one of the biggest things is, you know, your locally produced, locally grown, locally marketed, you know, businesses, whether it be beef production or, you know, poultry and, and things like that, or even uh, high tunnel greenhouses and, and things like that. That has been something that has really exploded maybe due to the pandemic or after the pandemic is, is the emphasis on uh, supporting local farmers, coming up with whether it is agritourism or, you know, diversifying a, a production ag, branching out into, you know, some kind of diversity, whether it be agritourism or, or selling their products straight off the farm. That has really been something that's taken off, I would say, in the last couple of years and something that the students are bringing up. Uh, we have a youth entrepreneurship challenge uh, that's coming up here before too long, and it's really interesting to see some of the, the high school students at Labette County, not just FFA kids, what they come up with as businesses that they think uh, need to be, you know, established in Labette County or even southeast Kansas for that matter. So the the feeding, you know, 9 billion people, it is still an issue, but I I wouldn't say it's addressed as much or brought up as much as it was. Yeah, and I'm going to completely agree with that. I remember, too, like that was always something that was brought up uh, when I was in high school and through college. Um, that was mentioned a lot. But like you said, kind of what we see more is understanding food, where it comes from, what safe food is, how to grow safe food. And just going into like the GMO route, that's kind of been a really hot topic with the students that I have and understanding what that means. And then also 
like Keith mentioned, locally grown, we've seen this explosion of a lot of people um, processing, selling beef locally, and not only beef, but hogs in particular in this area. And the kids have really picked up on all these things about food and safe food. And that may be driven by the pandemic and just maybe driven by fears and different things. And then also um, current issues like the war in Ukraine, kids have been asking about um, like grain and things along those lines. So I think we are seeing more of a shift in not how to feed everybody, but looking at quality food for people. Thank you for the insight into some of those topics. So I really want to go a little off the chain here and ask, what is a fact about being an ag teacher for both of you that you wish more people knew about? Well, I would say um, people maybe don't realize like how much ag teachers really do care about their students. Uh, like Just knowing a lot of the ag teachers across the state like ag teachers really do care and love their students. We spend so much time together. It really does kind of become a family with your kids. And that's not something, you know, everybody knows. And I will say ag teachers, they're a pretty hardworking group. I don't know an ag teacher that doesn't spend a whole lot of time making sure their kids have what they need. They just put in a lot of hours. And that, that's one thing. That's a great question because it, it really makes me think about all the things that are great about, you know, being an ag teacher. And and to echo some of the stuff Jerry said, it, it is very, very time consuming. And, and I don't think people realize how much time most ag teachers, you know, put into it. And one thing that's kind of always been interesting to me uh, as an ag teacher, not going the ag, ag ed route when I was in college, is the requirement to be very flexible as an ag teacher. Because as an ag teacher, you don't want to pass up an opportunity, but yet you also have to balance your time. Of all the ag teachers I know, they're always running, they're always going, you know, in the summertime, it's helping, you know, students with their, their fair projects. And, and this time of year, it's, you know, uh, making sure that everybody's, you know, getting their pictures in for proficiency awards. And it's just, I think it's hard to understand, unless you're an ag teacher, how how time consuming it really is. And the more you care about your students and the more your chapter or your, your school is active, the, the busier you're going to be by nature. But across the board, I don't know an ag teacher that I've ever met that isn't uh, extremely busy all the time. And so probably the, the busyness and, like Jerry said, how much ag teachers really do care uh, about their students. I know just between the two of us, there, there's a lot of evenings where we're talking about the things that, that we have to do the next day that, you know, two days ago we didn't know we were going to do, whether it's ordering something for a student or, you know, helping a student start a new project. There's just, there, there's a lot of flexibility that's required to, to, to be an ag teacher. Awesome. And then to move into a little bit more of a fun topic, a lot of youth really care about the FFA program, not just the ag program, and getting involved in that extra curricular. And so tell me a little bit about uh, what Kansas FFA looks like now and that transition for students from the ag classes into that program and where we are today. 
One really cool thing about both of our chapters is is currently we both have a a, a district officer, and so that's kind of unique. That's uh, you know something that that you don't really think about till you sit back and, and and really realize it. But Kansas FFA is extremely broad spectrum now. It, there is so many different activities and so many different possibilities that a that a student can can pursue even within the, the local chapter. We've had a couple students uh, get SAE grants lately, and, and that's a big deal. Um, helps them start their, their supervised agricultural uh, experience, uh, start a, a program of their own. So, And I think one of the coolest or neatest things is though, even though we talk about seeing less and less kids coming from the farm, our state FFA is still growing. Our membership numbers have been continually going up, and we're even adding new chapters across the state. So it, it's kind of showing that FFA is still relevant in student lives, even as we see a shift from kids coming from a farm. So I think what the value Kansas FFA and FFA in general provides to kids are those opportunities, whether they're leadership or career-focused, but really that's what it comes down to. Well, congratulations on your district officers. That's very exciting. And I really appreciate both of you being on the Farm Talks podcast today to talk a little bit about youth and agriculture. Is there anything throughout our conversation today that we didn't necessarily discuss that you'd love our listeners to know about? I guess just continue to support the FFA program. We're always so grateful, uh, especially things like this, to kind of get the word out let people know that we do have active members in our communities and hopefully we can get these kids to be hooked up in these programs and want to come back and share this back in the community. Yeah, one thing is it's so important that the community get behind an ag program, even though, you know, it may be an established program that's been in the school uh, system for a long time. It's really, really important for ag programs to see community members, whether it be the Board of Education or, or local business uh, people or even local production ag individuals uh, to come visit the ag, ag department because it really means a lot to the, the kids when they have the community support. Perfect. Well, thank you to both of you for joining us today and have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the March edition of the Farm Talks podcast. Don't forget to submit your 40 Under 40 application to highlight young farmers in the four states and find your Farm Talk newspaper wherever you go, in your mailbox, at a newsstand, or online at farmtalknews.com. Thanks for listening.